Welcome to Full Potential, Thriving with Neurodiversities. I'm your host, Sarah Intonato. This podcast teaches parents of children with neurodiversities, such as autism, ADHD, learning disabilities, and beyond, to support their kids in reaching their full potential so that they can thrive instead of letting stereotypes define them. My mission is to end suffering amongst these parents by giving them the tools to heal themselves, which in turn empowers them to be bold, confident advocates for their children. By addressing a variety of topics, such as well-being, advocacy, and spirituality, these parents stop being the victims of a broken system and instead succeed in providing their unique children with exactly what they need to thrive and share their gifts with the world. One by one, these families now change the world through their uniqueness instead of being victimized by it. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast episode, where we're talking about an exciting topic and also a scary topic for many people. And that is the topic of supporting your child, no matter how old they are, as they encounter a new experience. And a new experience can be one that's fun and exciting and also scary if your child's never been exposed to it before. Something that might be really fun for you might be both fun and intimidating for him or her. And I'm so excited to discuss this today because I had the unique experience of bringing both my neurotypical child, my daughter, and my neurodiverse son on a school field trip to the New York Mets game at City Field this week. And it was fascinating to see how different the experience was for each of them, how a really positive experience can look astoundingly different from person to person, especially when you have neurodiversity or sensory needs that need to be met or visual processing needs that need to be met and so on. I personally feel it's very important to discuss things like this because I meet many families, and I've seen this in my own family, who get into the habit of always repeating the same thing. It's the same type of meals for some kids who have really strong taste preferences and aversions, the same routines, which can be great. I'm certainly very into routine when it comes to bedtime and mealtime and things of that nature. But we as parents have to ask ourselves, at what point are we getting into rigidity? Have we crossed the line from routine, which is supportive, to being rigid and never leaving our box and never providing our unique children with experiences that could enrich their lives Because we as the parents are nervous about what could go wrong. We're not confident in our own ability to be their guide when we do something new. I've met many families who are afraid to even take their children to the store because they're worried about their child having a meltdown and they're worried about what other people might think. They're feeling judged. They're feeling nervous. If this is you, you are not alone. So today's episode is going to center around key strategies that you can use to support yourself and your unique child as they 
climb a new mountain, so to speak, and take on something that might be new and exciting and a little bit scary as they step out of their comfort zone, maybe for the first time in a long time, especially if you've been navigating pandemic restrictions like most people have. So you might hear me mention this example of taking my kids to the Mets game a lot on this episode because it was something that for me was important for my son to do. I always encourage him to take advantage of the opportunities he's given, especially when it can help him participate with his peers and strengthen his friendships. But this might look different for you. So everyone's mountain is going to look a bit different. What's easy for you might be hard for your child. What's hard for one of your children might be straightforward and simple for your other child, etc. Everyone is different. We're not going to compare your parenting journey to mine. You're going to run your own race. But listen carefully because there will be some key points here rooted in my work with Relationship Development Intervention, RDI, that will help you to be a more confident guide for your child when you're all stepping out of your comfort zone together. The first strategy that I have for you is to go into your new experience with a boatload of patience. Now, if you're not naturally a patient person, patience is something I had to learn. Thankfully, I have 20 years of yoga practice under my belt to help me. First step is for you to care for yourself in whatever way you need to in order to be as patient as possible with your child, knowing that you're probably going to take the timeline you're used to and throw it out the window. So you'd better believe the morning I took my kids to City Field for their first New York Mets baseball game, their first major sporting event ever, I had done my yoga practice. I had gotten a good night's sleep before. I was ready to go. I cannot emphasize how important your foundational work is before you go into something new and climb that mountain. If you need your morning workout at the gym, make sure you make the time for that that day. If you need coffee and silence in the morning to gather yourself, put boundaries around that and don't let anything interfere. Show up to this new situation as your best that day. And then, I'm going to say it again, take the timeline you're used to and throw it out the window. How would you approach this new experience if time meant nothing? Seriously. If there were no timeline to be attached to, if you weren't supposed to do anything at a specific time, how much freer would you feel? And I bring this up because very often when a unique child encounters something new, they might feel a bit intimidated. We pulled up to City Field for this baseball game and my son took one look at the entrance, the lights, the noise, the crowds, and he was pretty committed to staying in his seat in the car and not getting out. And in that moment, I reminded myself, Sarah, this is not about you. You can walk right in there in the next five minutes, get to your seat, no problem. This is about Rocco. What does he need in this moment to feel safe, 
to feel supported, to feel acknowledged. I knew that if I started putting time pressure on myself to get into the stadium, to make it to our seats in time for the first pitch, I would start to sweat. I would start to clench. I would start to get frustrated when things weren't going along according to my plan. I chose to let that timeline go. I told myself and I told Rocco, I don't care if it takes us eight innings to get inside the stadium, but we're getting inside the stadium. We'll take our time. We can walk slowly. There's no rush. One step at a time. And I took a deep breath and I trusted that it would be an experience that provided growth for both of us. The next key point I have for you is to remember when you climb a mountain like this as a guide to support your child or your student, the climber, you are the Sherpa, they are the climber. You are the guide on their journey. This journey is not about you. Will you grow? Will you learn something? I believe so, absolutely. But this experience is for them. So as you're taking your timeline and throwing it out the window, remind yourself of this. You're here to be their guide. You're not here to tick boxes off of your to-do list or to just get the bragging right saying, yeah, we did the thing. No, this will be a learning and growing experience for you simply by remembering this is about them. This is crucial because so many parents of neurodiverse kids either don't have a neurodiverse brain themselves. I do not. I don't know what it feels like. Or they do, but they were never given the tools or the supports to understand it. And now they're trying to learn about it through their child. This takes patience. This takes slow, steady progress. So while you will grow immensely by showing up without attachment to the outcome, without attachment to the timeline, you are there for your child. You are there to be their guide. Now, this third key point or strategy, if you will, is really deeply rooted in relationship development work. It is deeply rooted in the concept that you as the parent have taken the time to roll up your sleeves and get to know your unique child. This means you're not just handing them over to the therapists after school or to sitters. It means that even if you only spend 30 minutes with them every day, you're spending quality 30 minutes with them after you've done your work, after you've had dinner, and you are connecting with him or her regardless of their abilities, regardless of their diagnoses. You are taking the time to connect. Because only when you truly know and understand your unique child can you figure out what their goal should be regarding this new experience. So for example, with the Mets game, my daughter went, walked right in, sat, attended for all nine innings, took the bus home. 
my son's goal was to make it into the stadium. I discussed with his teacher and we agreed. We did not care if he stayed inside for one minute only, but we were not leaving that day until he made it inside. Why? Because we both knew him well enough to know that this would be an enriching experience for him, that he would feel really good about himself from doing something new. We're familiar with his noise tolerance level. We knew he could handle it in that way. We know he loves sports. We knew that it would be exciting for him. And we also live in the country. So we're not near big stadiums all the time. We're not near jumbotrons and loudspeakers all the time. It was new and different and a little intimidating for him. He had to acclimate at the pace that was right for him. But we also knew him well enough to know that if we tried to walk him toward the entrance and gave up 30 minutes later, that he would not feel good about himself for the rest of the day, that he would not feel good about himself the next day. We only have this information because we know him closely, intimately, as a human being. We know his likes and dislikes. I knew that if I had just said, ah, forget it, and put him back in the car to go home, it would not have been good for his confidence. The only reason I knew that is because I have spent years of spending time with him after school, myself, taking the time to connect with him, get to know him, see how he learns, see what his likes and dislikes are, slowly help him to become more comfortable when he doesn't like something, develop his tolerance with different sensory things, etc. You need this kind of information in order to accurately make decisions around what's the right goal for your child. Maybe if your goal is to take your child to the grocery store and start teaching them how to shop for their own food, which is an important life skill as they grow up. Maybe your first goal is getting out of the car, walking toward the door, and then turning around and walking back to the car. Do that. Take your time. Practice it. Maybe once you've achieved that goal, your next step is to walk to the door, get a shopping cart, wheel it around for a minute, and then go home. Right? So I can't tell you what's right for your child to do as their goal unless I know him or her and everything that makes them tick. And this is why I love working with families one-on-one, to show them that it's not all or nothing. It's not, oh, my child can never go to the store with me because they can't handle it. It's not, oh, my child can't go into the store and do their own shopping yet. I guess we should give up. There's a lot of gray area. The work is in the gray area. The joy for me is in the gray area. Let's look at your unique child and figure out what their next step of growth is and work tirelessly on that. Nobody else can do this for you. And I want to emphasize that you cannot always depend upon therapists, experts, or anyone else to get this done for you. As I mentioned, my son has a great teacher who I love, who I know knows him and takes the time to really connect with him. And I'm so thankful for this. But he's had teachers in the past who were lovely people, but not as invested in his growth experience in the classroom and outside. 
He's had many teachers along the way who would have given up after 30 minutes at that Mets game. Only because I knew him well enough did I look at the teacher, did we have an empowered conversation and move forward slowly and steadily one step at a time. You can't always bank on the fact that every professional will have the patience themselves and the desire to move your child forward in that way. It's up to you. So you get to choose your next step. Have you considered what it will cost you long-term to not know your child this well? To not be the one making empowered decisions for them? Instead, what's possible for your family today if you decide to step up as the leader and invest your time and energy in doing this work with your own child. My next key point is going to sound really obvious, and yet you'd be shocked at how many people get stuck in their egos and in their sense of pride and don't do it. And that is ask for help. Before the experience, during the experience, Maybe even after, if you need some time to decompress, after you've put out that energetic work of being a strong guide for your child. When help is offered to you, take it. Just take it. At the Mets game, I could see that walking straight to the entrance was not going to happen for Rocco. So I set a different goal. And I said, hey, honey, look, there's a police truck over there. Let's walk over there and say hi to the policemen and thank them for their service. So that's what we did. We made our way over there, and I set the intention that we were going to meet friendly people who helped us along the way as we took our long path into the stadium. And that's exactly what happened. I asked the policemen if they would mind if we stopped and hung out for a moment and said hello. They could not have been more accommodating or gracious They were so encouraging of Rocco and telling him to just be himself, take his time. They thought he was amazing. And it seemed like such a small thing. You know, but Sarah from the past would have been worried about bothering the policemen or not wanting to be an imposition on them if they were at work. And all those old people-pleasing stories, the stories about not taking up space, etc., I decided I'm not available for those. Instead, I recognized that if I needed help, I was going to ask. Rocco's teacher was actually already inside the stadium. And I said, hey, I think I could use your help. Do you mind meeting me back outside? I don't care if I have to buy another ticket. And she came outside and we did it together so that I didn't have to be the only one supporting Rocco going into the stadium. And this was great for both of us because it allowed us to work together. It allowed us to catch our breath when we needed to, to support him with fresh energy the whole way through. I could have just let her stay inside and done it all myself. It probably would have taken longer. I probably would have looked and felt a little bit more like a hot mess when I got inside. So I chose to ask for help and she was more than happy to give it. 
I also called the stadium in advance and spoke with guest services and let them know I had a unique child and asked for the options they had to help him. They could not have been happier to talk to me about it. So I want you to ask yourself where in your life you're not reaching out and asking for the support that you need. So many people blame others in their lives. My husband doesn't support me enough. School doesn't support me enough. Well, have you asked for the support? Have you actually given a name to the support that you need? Or are you expecting everyone else to read your mind because you feel bad asking? Nobody is coming to save you. If you want or need something, whether for yourself or for your child, it's up to you to stand up tall and ask. I guarantee you'll be joyfully surprised by the people you meet, the experiences you have, the energy that is exchanged. A lovely security guard at City Field watched Rocco's teacher and I literally take two steps forward, one step back toward the stadium for an hour before we went in. And as he could see Rocco's trepidation near the big entrance with the loudspeaker and the crowds and the lights and the gates and all that, he said, excuse me, ma'am, I think your son would be more comfortable at the VIP entrance. Please let me take you there right away. And he did. And guess what happened? Rocco saw a normal-sized door with just a few people around and walked straight in like he owned the place. I could have said, no, no, it's fine. We'll just make it work. If this sounds like you, I'm going to ask you, where else in your life do you avoid making things easy when you're given the opportunity? How could you take a step towards embracing more ease and support for yourself? in these small, seemingly insignificant experiences in day-to-day -day life. As we were leaving the stadium, after having hours of fun, mind you, employees came to meet us again, congratulated Rocco for how well he did and how they were thrilled he enjoyed himself. And they also gave us their business cards so that next time we could just walk into the VIP entrance. We didn't ask. But we did smile and say thank you and shake hands and let them know how grateful we were for their assistance. The fact that you need and embrace assistance does not mean anything bad about you. It does not mean you're not good enough. It does not mean that you're insignificant in some way. It just means you're willing to receive ease on your journey as a parent. That's all. In hindsight, I chose to go into the whole experience of that baseball game with a high vibration. It doesn't mean it didn't take energy. It doesn't mean I wasn't tired at the end of the day. But I chose to hold the intention that I was going to meet great people who were going to help me and be resourceful along the way. We were going to have a great experience regardless of the outcome, regardless of how long we stayed at the game, whether Rocco really watched or not. A win is a win. And any progress we made was a win that we were going to acknowledge. And that high vibration is exactly what I received in return. Every person I met was helpful. 
every police officer, every security guard, every ticket agent, everyone was helpful. The other parents on the field trip from our town school were helpful. We didn't need their help, but they offered it. They offered their encouragement. Many of them said, whew, this is overstimulating for me, <laughs> and I'm in my 40s. Rocco's doing amazing. We're so proud of him. It didn't matter that he wanted to stand up and dance to the music, which was very loud, instead of sit in his seat and watch the game for most of it. He was happy, and his win was a win for everyone we were with. I chose to keep that vibration high. That's what I received in return. That's what Rocco received in return. I guarantee if I'd chosen the path of complainer that day, which I'm a human. Of course, I've had those moments. I'm sure you have too. That's what I would have received in return. And I can look at my life now and acknowledge that when I've had those moments of putting out that type of energy, that's what I get back. I chose for this experience to be joyful. It might not always be super simple, but joyful. And that's what I received back in return. And I want to highlight that this next key piece goes hand in hand with what I just spoke about. This experience might be one of climbing a mountain, accomplishing something new, might be amazing, exciting, and it might be exhausting. You might need a nap the next day. You might need to get home and have grandma come over so that you can take a shower by yourself for as long as you need to, to reset yourself. I think of moments like this, like I do my hardest yoga pose. It doesn't mean that achievement, doing something new that I've been working towards and achieving it isn't exciting. It is exciting. It's joyful. It's exhilarating. It's growth. It's a win. And I might be sore after that. Certainly when I'm given a new harder pose by my teacher and I work at it and I keep going with it until I master it, there are moments in which it feels great and there are moments in which it feels hard. There are moments that I'm excited about it and there are moments where I really need to dig deep and find my patience. Afterwards, I might be thrilled that I tried even though the result wasn't perfect. I might be thrilled and achieved it perfectly and be tired and sore from it. And the same is true of these life experiences. So please acknowledge that just because the experience is over doesn't mean your work as a parent is over. You might need to refill your cup so that you can keep going. So please take the time to connect with yourself around your needs, not just during the experience, but before and after as well. Lastly, I want to acknowledge that, as I said before, everyone's mountains that they climb look different. What was an appropriate mountain for Rocco to climb by going to that baseball game, stepping out of his comfort zone, achieving something new, building his confidence, feeling amazing about himself, doesn't mean that it's the right mountain for everyone to climb. There's a student at his school who does not have a diagnosis, but advocated for herself to stay behind at school that day because she knew it would be too much stimulation for her 
She was willing to talk to her teachers about it. She was willing to advocate for herself. This is a kid, mind you, who said, I know me. I know myself well enough. This would not be a good experience. I can grow in other ways. I say bravo to this student. She used her voice. She trusted the people around her to help her make this decision. And she's going to go climb another mountain that's going to help her grow and stretch herself in a way that is right for her. This is beautiful. None of us are the same. Just because my kid went to the baseball game this week doesn't mean your kid's bad if he or she can't do so. Think of the small ways to help him or her stretch, to help you stretch as parent and work on those. And if you don't know where to start, please reach out. I have the first base, pun intended, step of a game plan call that I conduct with families who I support. And the reason we do this is because every family is different. And when someone comes in to work with me, very often they've got so many things going on with themselves, with their child. They think they know where to start, but they're not sure. Very often these families are really stuck in comparisonitis, comparing their one kid to the other kid, comparing themselves to their neighbors, their parenting journey to their sister's parenting journey. And my job is to help them flush all of that out to see what they really need to work on and give them clarity in how to start with that. If this is something that speaks to you, if you're thinking, whew, I need help and I don't know where to begin, click the link in the show notes, book a game plan call with me. You're not alone. Let's start this together. I'm not going to lie to you though. It will take work and energy. I'm here to help you do it. I'm not going to pretend that there's no work and energy involved for you though. So if you're looking for the easy band-aid solution, I'm going to say straight up that I love that you're listening to this podcast, but please don't click and book. If you're committed though, and you're ready to do this work, I'm here to help you dive in. And again, many people say, oh, well, I'll climb that mountain later. Sounds really good, but now's not the time. Have you considered what it's going to cost you to not dive into this work now? Have you considered where you'll be, where your child will be one year from now, if you're still in the same place, struggling with the same things that you are in this moment? You might think, oh, well, we'll be the same as we are right now, but you won't be. Because deep down, you'll know you've wasted another precious year of your child's life on this planet and yours, spinning wheels, not making progress, and laying awake at night wondering why. What's possible for you instead if you find that missing link and address it right now? Thank you so much for listening today. I'm here for you. You're not alone. Have a great day. Take care. Take care. Take care. If today's show resonated with you, please leave a review through your favorite podcast provider as it's an important step in allowing new listeners to find us when they need to hear this message in their own lives.